Ron DeSantis prepares to launch his 2024 campaign on Twitter, breaking the internet and throwing mainstream media into a tizzy. Joe Biden has played himself on the debt ceiling and Target wades into the culture wars. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Fire up the grill on Memorial Day with GoodRanchers.com and use my code Ben to get 20% off site-wide. That's GoodRanchers.com, promo code Ben today. Well, finally, the 2024 Republican primaries can begin in earnest today. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, long-awaited, long-expected, will announce his campaign for the presidency. He has like $150 million in the bank. He is ranked second to Donald Trump in virtually all the polls. In the national polling, Trump has a very solid lead over DeSantis. In the state polling, things are a little bit more dicey for Donald Trump. This race has not yet begun. For people who are suggesting the race is preliminarily over, let me remind everybody that back in 2008, the two nominees for the Republican and the Democratic Party, respectively, at this point in the race, were supposed to be Rudy Giuliani and Hillary Clinton. And of course, none of that happened. These races are unpredictable. Obviously, Trump has the upper hand going in, considering that he's the former president of the United States with a hammerlock on 25 to 30 percent of the Republican base. But that does not mean that he is not a vulnerable incumbent candidate. He is a candidate who lost in 2020 and 2021 and 2022. He is a person who's going to have to run at Ron DeSantis from the left, not from the right. And he really has never faced a candidate quite as determined and, and I think methodical as DeSantis in a Republican primary. In the last Republican primary in 2016, of course, all of the other Republicans bumper card each other, leaving a wide open lane for Donald Trump to run straight up the middle. Rubio and Cruz, they went after each other. Chris Christie performed a political murder suicide during a New Hampshire primary debate with Marco Rubio. You had a bunch of candidates who kind of stayed in too long, splitting the vote a bunch of different ways. And Trump was able to run right up the middle in that race. This race appears that it's going to break down probably into a two-man race at this point, barring some sort of cataclysmic circumstance between DeSantis and Trump. That is a very clear alternative. If you are somebody who believes in sort of conservative governance and solid ability to actually get your agenda through, then DeSantis is your guy. If you're looking for colorful, if you're looking for provocative, then Donald Trump is probably your guy. Right? Those are sort of how the factors break down here. There's a lot of personal loyalty, obviously, for a lot of Republicans for Trump because they think that he was a good president. I think that the first three years of his presidency were quite good as well. I think the last year was kind of a disaster area with his handling of COVID and the riots. But with all of that said, this is essentially a two-person race. Now, the way that Ron DeSantis is about to launch his campaign is quite fascinating. And you can see Everybody who's upset about it, people in the media are upset about it. Trump's team, obviously, upset about it because he's doing something different and, frankly, somewhat creative. There's an attempt to pigeonhole DeSantis as, quote unquote, too online, which is a weird rip on somebody who won a swing state by 20 points in the last gubernatorial election cycle and somebody who bucked all the conventional wisdom with regard to COVID and somehow emerged stronger for all of that. The way that DeSantis is launching his campaign is now with a traditional rally in the manner of Tim Scott or Nikki Haley or something. The way that he is launching his campaign is not with a campaign video like Joe Biden from his basement. Instead, Ron DeSantis is going to announce his campaign for the presidency on Twitter. Now, there are a lot of people who are freaking out about this in the media because, frankly, it is a full-scale rejection of the legacy media. One thing DeSantis is doing here that no other Republican really has done is he's just ignoring the legacy media. So Donald Trump actually had a lot of interactions, if you recall, back in 2016 with the legacy media. He was very friendly with Joe and Mika over on MSNBC. He would appear on pretty much any show. He was going everywhere, and he got a ton of earned media from that. DeSantis, who knows that he's being targeted by the legacy media, he just doesn't do interviews with them because he knows that they are going to 
ask him ridiculous questions or edit him out of context. And so instead, what he has done is interviews with media who are not going to ask him ridiculous questions. And then he will answer questions from legacy media members during press conferences. And he tends to faceplant a lot of these reporters during the press conferences because, again, it's live and they can't actually edit it. So how exactly is he launching? He's launching in a Twitter space with Elon Musk. So people are trying to play this, of course, as some sort of minor league launch. That is a weird take, considering that Elon Musk is probably America's most famous person at this point. Elon Musk has 141 million Twitter followers, does Elon Musk. And the fact that he is launching on Twitter spaces, listen, Tucker Carlson, when he decided that he was going to put out a statement about relaunching his show on Twitter, that statement had something like 25, 30, 35 million views as compared to his Fox News show, which every night had like 3 million viewers. So you're talking about orders of magnitude, more penetration in terms of audience reach if you do it via Twitter spaces and you get a big crowd than you would if you did it on any sort of normal network. Plus, the news is going to cover whatever he does on Twitter anyway. It's actually quite a smart move. And again, Elon Musk is seen as freewheeling and interesting and creative. And this puts DeSantis squarely in that space. According to Fox News, sources familiar confirmed that the popular conservative governor will declare he's a candidate for president on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern during a conversation with Elon Musk on Twitter. Along with his announcement, DeSantis is expected to file paperwork with the FEC, which officially launches his GOP presidential campaign. His first national TV interview following the announcement will be with Trey Gowdy Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News tonight. Now, of course, Trump's team is immediately claiming that this is a way for him to avoid people. But that's a strange thing, because how is it avoiding people? Any like If he did a rally... It's not as though when you do a rally, you're actually interacting with tons of people. You're not. You're on a stage and a lot of people are cheering for you. And then you walk off the stage and security whisks you away. I know I've done many rallies. Well, when you announce on Twitter with interaction with other people on Twitter, that actually is more interactive, not less interactive. But a Trump advisor told Fox News, quote, announcing on Twitter is perfect for Ron DeSantis. This way, he doesn't have to interact with people and the media can't ask him any questions. And now, again, DeSantis answers questions from the media. He just refuses to do sit down interviews with people who are determined, bound and determined to lie about him at every at every turn. I mean, they're doing this again today. They've been doing it for the last couple of weeks. Everything from Casey DeSantis is Lady Macbeth to the so-called don't say gay bill in Florida to Florida being run by Ron DeSantis. The number of lies that DeSantis has had to take on from the legacy media. Listen, I'm all I'm all admiration for any Republican governor or any Republican senator or any Republican president who tells the legacy media to screw off. They're terrible at their jobs. They lie for a habit. And there is no reason why you should give them ratings and you should give them the credibility of pretending that they actually are not biased intermediaries in the middle of this campaign. A formal campaign kickoff event will likely take place sometime after this week's gathering of top donors and bundlers. No details have yet been shared by the campaign. Now, again, doing it on Twitter is an active slap at the media. It's something that really is good for Elon Musk's Twitter. And Musk, it's a big win for Musk. I mean, it's a big win for Twitter. It's a big win for Musk. Again, we here at Daily Wire fully realize the potential that exists in the new Twitter under Elon Musk, which is why all of our shows, all of those things are going to be available on Twitter because it's a free speech medium that is not going to shut us down the way that, say, YouTube shut down Matt Walsh. And so Twitter is is going to be a new place that threatens the media, threatens a lot of the old guard, even tech media. And DeSantis jumping right in the middle of that, I think it's actually quite a smart move because if he did it in sort of traditional fashion, the rip would be he's doing a traditional rally. What's to cover? Who cares? Doing it this way, That's a lot of earned media right off the bat. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Memorial Day is an amazing time to honor and remember our brave service people who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. It's also a time to come together as a nation, gather with our loved ones, and enjoy some excellent times and some excellent meat. What better way to do that than with premium 100% American meat from Good Ranchers? Good Ranchers 
isn't like the other meat delivery companies that import a majority of their products. They're passionate about delivering the finest 100% American meat directly to your doorstep. Here's something special. Good Ranchers proudly offers a 10% discount to all past and present service members as a way of saying thank you for their service. But that's not it. In honor of Memorial Day, Good Ranchers is giving my listeners an exclusive opportunity. When you use code BEN, you'll get 20% off site-wide. From tender steaks to succulent chicken, Good Ranchers has it all. GoodRanchers.com is where you go. Fire up the grill on Memorial Day with family and friends. Know the meat you're enjoying is not only of the highest quality, but also supports American ranchers. Visit GoodRanchers.com today. Use my code BEN to get 20% off site-wide. That's promo code BEN at GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers is indeed American meat delivered. I know they're good. They actually made me a kosher steak. It was amazing. Go to GoodRanchers.com, promo code Ben, get 20% off site-wide for Memorial Day. Okay, so naturally, the media are hot and bothered about all of this. The Atlantic has a piece by Charlie Warzel, who used to write for the New York Times. So he has a resume filled with legacy media outlets called Twitter is a far-right social network. It can no longer be denied. And again, the entire piece is about how evil and terrible Elon Musk is. How ter- They point out, quote, earlier today, NBC News reported that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is slated to kick off his 2024 presidential campaign in a Twitter Spaces event with Musk. Twitter quite literally is a launchpad for right-wing political leaders. Also today, the Daily Wire, the conservative media juggernaut that is home to Ben Shapiro, as well as to political commentators Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles, who are known for arguing against trans rights, announced it would bring its entire slate of podcasts to Twitter starting next week. Again, smart move by DeSantis to simply end around the mainstream media, especially who are the mainstream media? People like the people at The Atlantic who are a joke and speak to a very small audience of select coastal left-wingers or Vanity Fair which put out a report titled, quote, report, Ron DeSantis will formally announce his 2024 bid with Elon Musk because apparently David Duke wasn't available. That's an actual headline from Vanity Fair. Again, the idea is that if you're in favor of free speech and you wish to let a thousand flowers bloom with regard to free speech, then you are akin to David Duke, famously a pro-free speech person, David Duke. So the media are fighting mad about this. Even Fox and Friends is laughing about this. And I understand why Fox and Friends would. Again, Fox and Friends is a, is a, a network media outlet, right? It's a cable news outlet. And so the internet is very threatening to places like Fox News. Not a super shock that they would find it threatening that Musk is not, that that DeSantis is not launching on Fox and Friends. He's launching with Musk on Twitter. So he's going to make the big announcement with Elon Musk at six o'clock tonight on Twitter Spaces. What the heck is Twitter Spaces? I wish I knew more about this. <laughs> okay, to be quite honest. I think he's trying to make it. Sounds bigger, like a video right? function. Yeah, right. Yeah, we've There's heard a that they want to do some streaming and some podcasts and that kind of thing. I think it's fascinating that they're using social media as a way to announce a presidency. Okay, I mean, honestly, like like people on Fox and Friends, and we don't know what Twitter Space is on, it is is of little relevance to the fact that the number of eyeballs that DeSantis is going to. I mean, it's not like Fox and Friends ain't going to cover DeSantis' announcement on Twitter Spaces. They will. Plus, he's appearing on Fox that night with Trey Gowdy. So, again, the, the, the entire shtick here by members of sort of the legacy media, television media, uh, of course they're angry. They should be angry because DeSantis is ending around them. He is making their entire play irrelevant. And that, of course, is an extension of stuff that Donald Trump did back in 2016. So Trump was using network media in order to get mainstream coverage. It's why he had Maggie Haberman of The New York Times on speed dial. Whenever Maggie Haberman cited a source inside the Trump campaign, dirty secret is it was either Steve Bannon or Trump himself. Those were the only two people talking to Maggie Haberman over at the Trump campaign, so far as I'm aware. Okay, but Trump was also doing something else, which was very clever at the time. People pointed it out. He was using Twitter to go around the media. He was using Twitter as a laser on the wall, and and then the mainstream media would jump like cats to try and swat the the laser on the wall. And so DeSantis is doing the same thing, except in a much bigger fashion, by announcing with Musk on Twitter spaces. 
So the again, the mainstream media response is coming in two forms. Form one is they're just angry that they are being edged out of the process. And then form two is that they are angry that Ron DeSantis is running at all. Right. They, they the Democrats would much prefer to run against Donald Trump. They think that Trump is more beatable because they because Joe Biden won in 2020. And so they think that Trump is likely to run directly into a mountain. And so why wouldn't they want to see that guy nominated? Again, this is what Joe Biden, it's not like they've hidden the ball here. Joe Biden openly said in interviews like six months ago, he was asked, are you going to run again? And he was saying, I'm not sure. And then he was, and then the question was, if Trump wins the nomination, will you? And he said, absolutely. Democrats have the, right or wrong, Democrats have the perception that Donald Trump is easier to run against, which is why, presumably, they're all going after Ron DeSantis tooth and nail. I haven't seen them going after Nikki Haley this way. They're not going after Tim Scott this way. They're only going after one candidate in the Republican primaries this way, and it is not Donald Trump. Donald Trump, they already have their rip on. But you're starting to see a strange new respect emerge for Donald Trump from some of the weirdest people in the online space. So, for example, Bill Kristol, who hates Donald Trump, left the Republican Party, basically became a Democrat over all of this. Bill Kristol, he put out a statement today, quote, I tend perhaps foolishly to discount the alpha beta male stuff, but DeSantis was always on Fox when Rupert was for him. Now he announces on Twitter when Elon's for him. Kind of beta, no? Trump does CNN town hall, goes into the pseudo lion's den, looks kind of alpha. No, so you got Bill Kristol talking up Trump. Okay, question, why? Why would he do such a thing? I think we all know the answer. Nina Turner, who is a left-wing activist at race power policy, and uh, and she is on the Young Turks as well. She, she tweeted out, Ron DeSantis couldn't beat Donald Duck. How the hell does he think he's going to fare against Donald Trump? Again, the, the level of left-wing hatred for DeSantis is actually stronger in some ways than the hatred for Trump. Not in the same way. This, the, Trump, the Trump hatred is visceral. Like it, Obviously, they hate both Republicans, but they, they would like to see Donald Trump actually, I, I think there are a lot of Democrats who would like to see him actually plot, like keel over. But in terms of who they'd like to see win the nomination, I don't think there's any question about this, which is why Hillary Clinton yesterday was targeting Ron DeSantis. So Hillary put out a ridiculous tweet yesterday, as is her want, saying Ron DeSantis' ultra-maga Florida isn't safe for people of color, LGBTQ plus people, or even multi-billion dollar corporations. So first of all, this is like the perfect Hillary Clinton tweet. Let me just point out that her coalition is extraordinarily rich corporations and people of color and gay people. That is her, so those are, it's a weird coalition, and I will grant you that. But this is Hillary Clinton going after DeSantis, suggesting that Florida isn't safe for people of color. I mean, first of all, can we just point out that Florida is largely people of color? Florida is actually 52.7% white alone. Okay, so just barely a majority white. 26.8% Hispanic or Latino. And 17% black. Florida's a very diverse state. So this notion that Florida, I mean, go to Miami. Miami is a very, very diverse city. In fact, South Florida is basically like Latinos, blacks, and Jews. I know, I live here. This notion that Florida is like an overwhelmingly white rural state is absurd. But Democrats, have, and, and Ron DeSantis won all those places, but that's what Hillary Clinton is angry about. Meanwhile, Karine Jean-Pierre, world's White House press secretary, she's doing the same thing, attacking DeSantis over this bizarre and stupid NAACP travel warning. The NAACP put out some statements suggesting that it was unsafe for black people to travel to Florida, which is weird since um, literally every spring break, Miami Beach is filled with black Americans who are traveling to Florida to party it up. We 
you say to what the NAACP has done? I mean, they're following behind other groups, be it uh, groups on race or LGBTQ+, but they're making a bold statement. What do you say to this? So I'm not going to, uh, to comment on travel advisories specifically, but I'll say this more broadly and where we have been as administration, as a White House, we've been outspoken about the impact of misguided policies advanced by uh, Florida uh, uh, lawmakers. Republicans in, in Florida have uh, attacked diversity. They've uh, attacked inclusion efforts. Uh, they've limited the teaching of black history. And they've uh, launched attacks on the LGBT youth. The, uh, the LGBT youth. It's just, I mean, the, these are ridiculous, ridiculous. But you can see their hatred for DeSantis because, again, they don't want DeSantis to get the nomination. They hate Trump more, but they're also less afraid of Trump. Both of those things can be true simultaneously. Again, just one second, we'll get to the Trump team's response to all of this. First, let's talk about the fact that right now, the U.S. dollar, yeah, it's, it's solid compared to a lot of other places, but there is a reason the price of gold has been going up lately. And the reason for that is because we are watching as global inflation has kicked in over the course of the last couple of years. Gold is, in fact, your safe haven against financial uncertainty, inflation. It, it, when you have central banks that are basically ramping up and ramping down the value of the dollar at, at any point, you need to have some form of diversification. Gold historically has been that form. You can own gold in a tax shelter retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's correct. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer into an IRA in gold. The best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. I bought gold from Birch Gold in preparation for uncertain economic times, and you can trust them as well. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? I don't know, but you should protect your savings with gold the way that I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Again, text Ben to 989898 and protect your savings today. Okay, so Team Trump's response is, of course, entirely dismissive. It's a little bit fragmentary. I should point out here that uh, there is a preview video that was put up by Casey DeSantis who is a real asset to DeSantis' campaign. The media have been going after Casey in a way that they really have not gone after a political wife. Remember, the rules in the media are that if you say that Dr. Joe Biden is not, in fact, a doctor because she can't help anyone with a heart attack, she's a doctorate of education, which is ridiculous. I'm sorry, in the same way that she is a doctor, I am a doctor, I have a Juris doctor from Harvard Law School. That makes me significantly more of a doctor than Joe Biden, who has a doctorate of, like, junior college education. But remember, you must respect the doctor in Dr. Jill's name. But Casey DeSantis is like Lady Macbeth. So she tweeted out a promo video for DeSantis' campaign. Here it was. They call it faith because in the face of darkness, you can see that brighter future. A faith that our best days lay ahead of us. But is it worth the fight? Do I have the courage? Is it worth the sacrifice? America has been worth it. Every single time. Okay, that's a pretty good video. Then it's the text launch to 512345, right, with the uh, with the logo coming up for DeSantis' campaign. Okay, so Trump's response is pretty much exactly what you would think it is. He tweeted out a piece from Wayne Allen Root calling on DeSantis to step down and said, please stand down. Right, this is what Trump tweeted out. And then he put out another couple of statements via Truth Social. Now, again, what's kind of amazing about this is that Trump has relegated himself to Truth Social, even though Musk readmitted him to Twitter. So originally he was kicked off of Twitter, which was unconscionable and ridiculous. And we said that at the time. Now, Trump, he could have been back on Twitter, but he started this Truth Social business. And so he is putting his own business interests at Truth Social ahead of his political interests. 
The man has 87 million followers on Twitter. Why he's not back on Twitter is absolutely beyond me in the middle of a presidential campaign. But he put out a couple of statements. Quote, look, Rob DeSanctimonious, Rob, Rob DeSanctimonious came to me asking for help. He was losing badly by 31 points to popular agricultural commissioner, Adam Putnam, who's getting ready to drop out of the race, ran a terrible campaign. Ron told me he had one last chance, my support and endorsement, which Putnam and everyone else wanted also. I gave it to Ron and the race was over. In one day, he went from losing badly to winning by a lot. With three large Trump rallies, he won the general in an upset. Disloyal! Now, I have, I have a question. Are you going to vote for a Republican candidate for president based on loyalty to Trump? If so, you have only one candidate to vote for. There's only one person who's loyal to Trump to the extent that Trump wants that loyalty, and that is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not loyal to anyone else around him. All those people are losers and haters, but Donald Trump is very loyal to Donald Trump. So if you want somebody who's super loyal to Trump, I recommend you vote for Trump. If, however, you would like a candidate who is not going to be judged based on a loyalty test to Donald Trump, you might want to look elsewhere. Trump also put out a statement running directly at DeSantis from the left. So in two separate truths, he calls him Rob DeSanctimonious and Ron DeSanctis, which I don't even know what that means. He said he can't win the general election or even get the nomination because he voted to obliterate Social Security, even wanting to raise the minimum age to 70 or more, voted to badly wound Medicare and fought hard and voted for a 23% tax on everything sales tax, as opposed to, by the way, like that would be a one, one tax, like no income tax. He was and is a disciple of horrible rhino, Paul Ryan. By the way, you know who endorsed Paul Ryan for the uh, speakership? That would be your friend, Donald Trump. Okay, so there was that as well. Also, he desperately needs a personality transplant. To the best of my knowledge, they're not medically available yet. A disloyal person. So again, Trump just keeps going back to the disloyalty notion. We'll get to more of the Trump team's response to DeSantis jumping into the race. Notice, by the way, the contrast between Tim Scott. Welcome to the race, Tim. We love you. And Ronda Sanctimonious, Rob DeSanctimonious, Ronda Say, or they call him Ronda Say. Which one do you think Trump is more threatened by? Pretty obvious. Get to more on this in a second. First, men do not like going to the doctor. You have to make the appointment, spend half your day sitting around in the waiting room, and often endure some uncomfortable conversations about your body with another person you hardly know. Rex MD is FDA approved. It is the most trusted leader in men's telehealth. It's fast, simple, and cheap. You can access your U.S.-licensed RexMD physician anytime you need afterward. RexMD makes it easy and affordable to get generic and branded Viagra or Cialis online. No waiting rooms, no embarrassing trips to the doctor, no insurance, no copays. Did you know Viagra can cost 90 bucks a pill? RexMD has generic Viagra for as low as 2 bucks a pill. Just fill out their online medical questionnaire. A doctor will review your situation and, if appropriate, prescribe you medication. Your medication will ship right to your door with free two-day shipping. It is fast, simple, and cheap. Plus, you can access your U.S.-licensed RexMD physician anytime you need afterward. RexMD has already helped over 300,000 guys gain confidence quickly and conveniently, and they are here to help you as well. Take advantage of their best deal yet at RexMD.com slash Ben. Save up to 90% off by paying only $2 per dosage. That's RexMD.com slash Ben for up to 90% off. Go to RexMD.com for more details and safety information. Okay, so... Again, Trump's response is basically that DeSantis is disloyal and too right-wing, which is not a great Republican primary campaign. Listen, the, the reason that people love Trump is because they love Trump. But is that a great campaign against DeSantis? Uh, I think not. They're also trying to claim, of course, that he's launching on Twitter because he has no personality. Again, if this is about personality and what is toxic in a general election, it is hard to think of a candidate who has been more toxic in a general election than Donald Trump, who drove a dead man, Joe Biden, to 81 million votes. And whenever people ask me, you know, you say that, that Trump lost the 2020 election. How? How did Joe Biden win 81 million votes? He didn't. Donald Trump lost 81 million votes. That is the answer to that question. The answer is that Donald Trump gets out the vote for his side, and he really, really, really gets out the vote for the other side. The other side, again, they, they don't fear him as much in this election because they, they think he'll lose, as they do DeSantis, but they certainly hate him the most of any human being on Earth. 
as I said before, like many of them would be very happy for him to just keel over tomorrow. Okay, but it, it is interesting to watch some of the responses from Team Trump. So they trotted out Kerry Lake, who desperately, desperately wants to be Donald Trump's vice presidential candidate should he win the nomination. So after losing a race to a wet dish rag in Katie Hobbs, I mean, honestly, Katie Hobbs is, is not, I, w- I would call her AI, but she's not even AI. She's a cardboard cutout of an AI. She's a piece of paper that is cut into a paper shape of a human. That is Katie Hobbs. And somehow Carrie Lake pulled out a loss to Katie Hobbs. That, and yet she still maintains that she is, in fact, the governor of, uh, of Arizona, despite the fact that she's lost every court challenge. And again, she should have won that race walking away, presumably. She was supposed to. She lost to Katie Hobbs. And here she is ripping on Ron DeSantis, saying Ron DeSantis can't win. Uh, maybe he can't. But it's hard to make that case when you're the person who lost to Katie Hobbs. When you pick a fight with Disney, you need to play to win. And so far, Governor DeSantis has been outworked and outmaneuvered by Disney. As far as I know, Reedy Creek is still exists. They're still hosting trans events at their park. This indoctrination is continuing, and they're actually rubbing it in the faces of American families. You know, if you can't beat Donald Duck, how are you going to beat Donald Trump? I think that's the question we have to ask when it comes to Governor DeSantis. I have to point out here that Carrie Lake has issued no plan for actually stopping Disney from doing these things. And Donald Trump has taken the side of Disney in the battle with Ron DeSantis. So there is that as well. Now, again, none of this is to suggest that DeSantis is the front runner. It is to suggest that when all the guns from all sides seem to be trained on one of the candidates, perhaps you should ask yourself why. Why is it that all the Republican candidates in the race so far have attacked DeSantis and very few of them have attacked Trump in any serious way? Why is it that Trump is not attacking any of the other Republican candidates, but he's training all of his fire on Ron DeSantis? Why is it that the legacy media who have expressed their hatred for Trump to the extent that they say that he is a fascist threat to the United States, that the only difference between Trump and Hitler is the mustache, the little mustache. Orange Hitler he is, they say. These same exact people spend all day fulminating about Ron DeSantis online. Why? Could it be because they actually fear him getting the nomination? Again, that's not a guarantee he'd win the general, but certainly the media think he has a better shot of winning the general. Donald Trump thinks that DeSantis is his greatest threat. Not Mike Pence, not Nikki Haley, not Vivek, not, not Tim Scott, none of them. When everybody is lining up against one guy and it's not Trump, and you have to start asking yourself why that could be. By the way, the media have an ulterior motive here as well, which is Donald Trump means ratings. In the same way that the NBA was really rooting hard for a Celtics-Lakers final, and they're going to be very disappointed that it's Miami Heat-Denver Nuggets. In the same way, the media are rooting super hard for Donald Trump to win the nomination because that dude means ratings. Ron DeSantis, on the other hand, is a disciplined politician who won't give them the time of day, who literally will not do interviews with them. So of course they're rooting for Donald Trump in this particular race. Okay, meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to just be clown himself on a regular basis. So I noticed last night about two o'clock in the morning. So for, for those of you who have very small babies, I have a very small baby. He's three days old. And um, when you change a male baby's diaper, very often they tend to pee on themselves. And um, and at that point, while this was happening, I have to admit, I thought of Joe Biden because that is an 80-year-old man who pees himself on the regular. And he has done so spectacularly in this debt ceiling fight. He has been outworked. He has been outplayed with regard to the debt ceiling fight every which way. As Andrew Dwaron writes over at the Wall Street Journal, Biden has no good options in debt ceiling fight. The U.S. could be unable to pay all of its bills as soon as June 1st if Biden and congressional Republicans can't reach a deal, and every path forward carries political risks for Biden. A government default could tip the economy into recession and potentially unleash global financial chaos in the middle of a reelect. Untried methods to pay the nation's bill without Congress could also carry economic costs and could require Biden to make painful political choices about who gets paid first. 
holding spending talks with Republicans over the issue is courting backlash from progressive lawmakers. So you know whose fault this is. This, uh, this would be Joe Biden's fault purely and simply because Joe Biden is a fool. And so he started off this entire process about negotiation over the debt ceiling by saying that he would not negotiate over the debt ceiling. So here was Joe Biden. This is April 19th saying that he would not negotiate over the debt ceiling. Happy to meet with McCarthy, but not on whether or not the debt limit gets extended. That's not negotiable. Not negotiable, right? He started off with the position, I'm not even going to negotiate on the debt ceiling, which meant that when McCarthy passed a bill, it said, sure, we just raised the debt ceiling. All you have to do is go back to 2022 spending levels. He looks like a moderate and Biden looks like a nutcase because guess what? That's a nutty position for you to say you're not going to negotiate with a co-equal branch of government over budgetary issues is totally crazy. And that is what Biden led off with because he got out over his skis. This happens a lot with presidents. They, they tend to feel the wind in their sails and then they get a little bit too confident about their agenda items. And then reality slaps them in the face. That's exactly what's happening with Biden here. Remember, that was the exact same time that Karine Jean-Pierre, world's most untalented press secretary, was saying that the GOP had to raise the debt ceiling without preconditions. There would be no negotiations, no preconditions. We should not have House Republicans manufacturing a crisis on something that has been done 78 times since 1960. This is their constitutional duty. Congress must act. That's what the president's going to make very clear uh, with, uh, with the leaders tomorrow. Uh, Congress must avoid default without conditions, without conditions, as they did three times before in the last administration. Re Democrats joined Republicans, put their po politics aside, Democrats did, and made sure that that occurred, that happened. Well, as it turns out, uh, they were lying because now they've been negotiating with McCarthy because it turns out that McCarthy actually did pass a bill already to raise the debt ceiling and they don't know how to deal with it. So Corinne Jean-Pierre, again, world's most untalented press secretary, she says, uh, oh, yeah, actually, we were always clear that we were negotiating. We we're well, that's weird because I noticed that you weren't. I noticed that it was one month ago when you were saying you would not negotiate over the debt ceiling. And now you are saying that you've been absolutely clear that you're negotiating. Oh, is that the gaslighting is so strong? I'm sorry, your old Jedi mind trick is of no effect here. Can you say that one more time? What's changed? You were saying what's changed? We're very strategic in saying they're not negotiations. They're conversations. Well, I've always said um, I've always said that budget it is. We are negotiating on the budget. I've always been very clear about that. I oh. said that default mm. is not negotiable. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. They're linked. They're linked. That's ridiculous. The whole conversation is we will raise the debt ceiling if we lower the spending. And she's like, well, we'll talk about the spending but we will not negotiate over the debt ceiling. But then you are negotiating over both. Yeah, that's, that's, that's silly. That's like you saying to your wife that I'm going to negotiate. We have two things that are linked right here. One is I'll take out a second credit card for you if you promise to spend less. And she says, well, you're taking out a second credit card for me and I'm not going to promise to spend less. And then later she comes back to the table. And she's like, okay, we're going to take out a second credit card and we'll talk about me spending less, but I'm not negotiating. Like, you, you are. I mean, that's literally the precondition that you said you would not fulfill, and now you're doing it. So they lied, and now they're stuck. Karine Jean-Pierre also admitted that she did not know how often Biden was speaking to McCarthy. So again, this is just wild incompetence. What they should be saying, if they were smart, is they're speaking every single day. The negotiations are ongoing. We're not going to hit the debt ceiling because we know that we have to make sure that the economy is stable here in the United States. We're, we may not get a deal we like, may not get a deal the other side likes, but that's how negotiations go. They're not doing that. Instead, they're playing this game where they pretend like, oh, we don't even care if we did that. Man, it's fine. You know, like we don't even know how often we're... she is so bad at this. 
Did the President and Speaker McCarthy have an agreement to talk on the phone or in person on a daily basis? I think uh, Speaker McCarthy implied that that would happen. Um, and so do they have an agreement? And <laughs> is it going to happen? I can say this, uh, don't have any meetings or calls uh, to announce, uh, but obviously the staff is going to continue to have this conversation. They just they just wrapped up a, a conversation moments ago, and the president will speak uh, to the speaker when it's necessary. I just don't have anything to share at this time. Okay, now, the reason that they've had to flip is because it turns out that the polling shows that people hate their position on this. See, the art of politics is to make it very, very hard to vote for your opponent, very easy to vote for you, which means taking 80-20 positions. Taking 80-20 positions is really, really helpful. Taking 60-40 positions, really, really helpful. Democrats have fringed themselves out on a wide variety of issues, which is why you see the media attempting to spin away from their own positions on the issues. We'll get to the polling on the debt ceiling debate in just one second first. When you're looking for a job, it can be tough to stand out from all the other candidates. On the flip side, when you're hiring, it can be tough to find an applicant that really stands out, which is why you need to check out ZipRecruiter. I remember the discomfort of not being able to find a job that I wanted. Very early in my career, I worked at a major law firm. I decided I hated it and I quit. And then I had to look for a job. It was really difficult. It was really hard to get connected with the right people. ZipRecruiter makes the magic happen. ZipRecruiter helps you find the most qualified people for your roles fast. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. ZipRecruiter's matching technology helps you find the most qualified candidates for a wide variety of roles. If you see a candidate you like, you can easily send them a personal invite so they're more likely to apply. Their user-friendly dashboard makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates all from one place. Let ZipRecruiter help you find the best people for all your roles. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. See for yourself. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Again, check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Try them out for free. They're the most effective, efficient way to find the person you need to fill that job. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Also, Despite the lackluster economy, the Daily Wire continues to thrive. Not only that, we are hiring. We are currently looking for a VP of operations to help the company continue to scale its impact and revenue. Your primary goal is to create the maximum value for our audience possible with the resources we have while streamlining the operations that produce and distribute physical and digital products at scale. You'll need great people's skills as you will coordinate work across a lot of departments and implement new processes and procedures. Bonus points for experience working in non-traditional media. The position is based in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information and to apply, visit dailywire.com slash careers. That is dailywire.com slash careers today. Okay, speaking of that polling. So the CNN polling shows that 60% of Americans say Congress should only raise the debt ceiling if it cuts spending at the same time. 60%. So again, the vast majority of Americans want the debt ceiling increased. But again, the vast majority of Americans believe that it's imperative that we start cutting our spending. And so Democrats are stuck between a rock and a hard place because Joe Biden made it clear he was not going to negotiate over cutting and spending. Now, he will. He will. So first, they're going to lie. So Joe Biden continues to lie that he reduced the deficit by $1.7 trillion. Again, he did not. Everyone knows he did not. He is spending record amounts of money. If by reducing the deficit, he means that he spent money less money than he did last year while still running up the deficit. That's true, but that's only because 2021 and 2022 and 2020 were the biggest spending years in American history. So that means that in 2022... He spent slightly less than in 2021 and it still made it one of the biggest spending years in American history. That's not lowering the deficit. Here is uh, Joe Biden lying. Well, I'm glad the speaker's here today. We uh, were optimistic we may be able to make some progress because uh, we both agreed that we, default's not really on the table. We've got to get something done here. And uh, the consequence of failing to pay our bills would be that American people would have a real kick in their economic well-being. As a matter of fact, the rest of the world would, too. And uh, so we also agree we need to reduce the deficit. And I might add, uh, 
and my first two years as president, I reduced it by $1.7 trillion. Okay, so again, he is, he's fibbing and he is lying. Meanwhile, Karine Jean-Pierre is pretending we don't have a spending problem. Again, they, they've boxed themselves in here. Here's Karine Jean-Pierre. Do you agree with Speaker McCarthy the Democrats have a spending problem? No. No, they have no spending problem. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) No, to it. Look, um, I'll say this. Uh, The president's budget reduces the deficit, as you you know, by nearly $3 trillion over 10 years. Oh, okay, again, lying and lying some more. Meanwhile, the left is very unhappy with the prospect of Biden caving on the debt ceiling. He's been outplayed. Joe Biden's been outplayed by McCarthy. I know this is an unthinkable outcome for the media. And for some people on the right who are suggesting that we should just let the ceiling be hit and let's let the, let the whole thing melt down. Yeah, good luck with that. The reality is that Biden got outclassed here and he got played by himself. He played himself in the words of G- DJ Khaled. Right? That's what he did. He played himself. Pramila Jayapal of the left, she's like, there's going to be backlash in the streets against Joe Biden if he actually cuts the spending. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. You know, I mean, I think that this is it's important that we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the last two years. Hmm. So feeling blowback from left. Meanwhile, who's the who's the moderate here? Again, take 60, 40 positions, folks. This is how you win elections. Kevin McCarthy says, hey, we can find common ground on the debt ceiling. We passed a bill that's reasonable. When Kevin McCarthy sounds like the rational and reasonable one, the Democrats are losing. Challenges on certain points that we have differences in. But I believe we can we can find the common ground there. Does the White House understand that you need 72 hours? Yeah, I'm very clear from day one. Okay, so again, he sounds like the moderate. Meanwhile, Democrats are going off their rockers by declaring that maybe Joe Biden will just invoke the 14th Amendment and unilaterally increase the debt ceiling. James Clyburn, who was... Biden's early backer in South Carolina who boosted him to the nomination. He says that that's what they should do. They should just use the 14th Amendment, which was clearly not meant to increase the debt ceiling, to increase the debt ceiling. Do you think that it took too long for the White House to reach out to the speaker and start at least that negotiation sooner? And and I'm just thinking, what is it going to take for Democrats and Republicans in the House to try and get something? Well, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think that we all recognize uh, that Janet Yellen has made it very clear to us that something needs to be done uh, by June 1st, and I think it will get done. The president has made it very clear that he would like to have a bipartisan resolution of this. Uh, He says that, knowing full well as I do, that the 14th Amendment is still there, and as president of the United States, he has some authority uh, to use it but he would rather not, uh, he would rather have a bipartisan resolution as it has always been. Mm. Okay, so uh, the 14th Amendment is, is what's going to happen here. Again, Biden's played himself. He's going to end up making a deal and then the Democrats are going to rip him up for it and he well deserves it. Meanwhile, speaking of 60-40 issues, it is amazing to watch as the media and Democrats rush to defend woke corporations pushing some of the most egregious garbage on children I have ever seen. So Target is the corporation of the day. Now, as we approach the holy month of pride, June, as this happens, we see more and more corporations coming out of the woodwork to demonstrate their fealty to the great religion of our republic. Of course, that is not Christianity. It's not the Judeo-Christian value system. It's not anything traditional. The great religion of our nation is the pride progress flag. That is the thing that we must all pay obeisance to. In fact, we have an entire holy month complete with martyrology, complete with religious ceremony, complete with the children's crusade. 
And every corporation must bow before it. The latest corporation to bow before it is over at Target. So Target, you know, it's, it's actually fairly easy to boycott Bud Light, right? Bud Light, it's pretty easy to boycott because, again, when you target one beer, you can just go buy another beer. And yeah, that, that beer may be just as woke, but you're making the point that when you go hire a man dressed as a woman to sell your beer to, to lower income men, it's not going to work very well. Target, because it is a store that has everything in it, and many people use it as like the place where they go for grocery shopping, plus where they go for clothes, plus where they go for games and toys, because it's sort of everything to everybody, it's harder to boycott. But that doesn't mean it is not worth the boycott. Because now they've been pushing, as we mentioned on the show, trans propaganda to children. They actually pushed a swimming suit that has tuck abilities, you know, for boys who want to pretend they're girls, they can shove their penis and balls back underneath them so they appear more like girls. And these are available for people of all ages and all sizes, not not specifically children, say the fact checkers, but available for all genders and for people of various sizes and ages. And of course, Target had plastered their stores with a bunch of LGBTQ propaganda all the way down to like LGBTQ onesies for small babies because there's nothing that says tolerance and diversity quite like shoving an LGBTQ agenda down on a small baby. So now the backlash has begun. According to Fox News, some Southern Target stores were forced by the corporation to move LGBTQ pride merchandise away from the front of their locations after customer outrage to avoid a Bud Light situation. Many Target locations across the country feature massive June Pride Month displays on an annual basis with items this year ranging from tuck-friendly bathing suits for transgender people to mugs that say gender fluid. But the retail juggernaut has been criticized by some conservatives for the displays, with children's items particularly irking many customers. Well, it shouldn't just be children's items. I'm not aware of any other ideological campaign that takes place on a yearly basis at these major corporations other than Black History Month that gets this kind of attention. Right? And literally, it doesn't happen. It's like the, all the left-wing agenda items. You have Women's History Month, Black History Month, and Pride Month. Those are the, those are the holy trinity of actual holiday seasons. In, in Judaism, the big three are... Shavuos, Sukkot, Pesach, right? Those are, the, those are the three big holidays. Those are the, the Shalosh Regalim. Those are the ones where you, t- you make like the, in the ancient times, you'd go on foot to the temple to offer your sacrifices on those holidays. Okay, in, in the pagan mythology of the United States, the three big months are Black History Month, Women's History Month, Pride Month. Those are the three big ones. And so all the corporations have started mirroring this sort of garbage. And now finally, consumers are like, you know what? No, we're not interested in helping you with our money propagandize these particular efforts. A Target insider said there were emergency calls on Friday. Some managers and district senior directors were told to tamp down the pride sections immediately. We were given 36 hours, told to take down all the pride stuff, the entire section, and move it into a section that's a third the size. From the front of the store to the back of the store, you can't have anything on mannequins and no large signage. We call our customers guests. There's outrage on their part. This year, it's just exponentially more than any other year. I think with the current situation with Bud Light, the company is terrified of a Bud Light situation. Good. They should be terrified of a Bud Light situation because they have made their bed and now they ought to lie in it. And again, this is not just Target that is promoting this garbage to kids. The, the Dodgers, as we pointed out, the Los Angeles Dodgers have now reinvited, quote unquote, queer nuns. The, the, the ridiculous idiocies of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. They call them life-saving, life-saving groups like the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence who every year hold events in which they have queer people dress up as Jesus and Mary and mock the Christian story and mock Catholicism. Genius move by the LA Dodgers. By the way, if you're a Catholic, don't go to a Dodgers game. It is that simple. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't, if, you, if you're a person who believes in Judeo-Christian values, you should not go to a Dodgers game based on their decisions to do this sort of stuff. We went very quickly from live and let live to you will celebrate this flag or you will be deemed a traitor to the state religion. It's pretty amazing. And again, it's not just the Dodgers. It's also North Face, right? It's, every corporation is going to do it. Every corporation. You will be forced to participate by corporate America combined with the government. You will be forced 
to participate in the celebration of alternative sexual lifestyles that completely undermine the fundamental bases of Judeo-Christian morality and traditional society. Here is North Face promoting this kind of nonsense. Hi, it's me, Patagonia, a real-life homosexual. And today, I'm here with the North Face. Oh, we are no. here to invite you to come out in nature with us. Wow, this is nice. We like to call this little tour this is... the Summer of Pride. Yeah, this, th 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 this seems supernatural. Everything. It's like, look at the nature. So much nature happening. A dude lesbians, with a mustache and long hair in ladies' clothing with a TV in the middle of the field. Celebrated pride across the nation oh, so the... with hundreds of you. So much pride, guys. This year, we're back, back, back again with two new stops. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this will be every corporation for a month. Prepare yourselves. This is the way it's going to go. Okay, fine. So if this is the fight the left wants, this is the fight the left is going to have. And they know it's unpopular. They know that most Americans are not in favor of this stuff being shoved in the faces of children. That most Americans, you know, who still do go to church on a fairly regular basis, a huge number of Americans still go to church. They're not real fond of like these sisters of perpetual indulgence, but they're going to push this crap anyway. Okay, well, you know, play, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. If you're a corporation, F around and find out. I see how it goes for you. All right, so it turns out that most Americans are not in favor of transing the kids or pushing pride progress flags in kindergarten classrooms or any of the rest of this sort of nonsense. And despite the best efforts of the media to pretend otherwise, that is just the simple fact. Every time they tried to claim that the quote-unquote don't say gay law in Florida, which, by the way, people say gay all the time here in Florida. I live here. There are a lot of gay people who live in Florida, as it turns out. And this notion that you can't say gay or you're going to be arrested, uh, that's a lie. It's not true. But you know what's a really popular law? Saying that you're not allowed to teach sexual orientation and gender identity to, to school kids. That that is not the job of teachers. That actually is a really popular proposition across the country. Parents don't want that garbage being taught to their kids. If they want to teach their kids that stuff themselves, that is their problem. But this notion that you are obligated to turn your kid over to a state employee to be taught the state religion of LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign is absurd. Most Americans are not into that. So the left has to come up with what they think are 60-40 propositions the other way in order to run against the conservatives, right? If conservatives are now winning when it comes to the economy, which they are, if they're winning on social issues, which they largely are, well, then Democrats have to come up with some response. So they have some 60-40 issues they think they're going to win. They think abortion is a 60-40 issue. It's why they've been featuring, for example, so much talk about these abortion bans in states like Florida that start at six weeks. They think that that's a 60-40 issue. Most Americans are not into those sorts of abortion bans. And nationally speaking, that may well be correct. Nationally speaking, most Americans are somewhere between 10 and 12 weeks and where they think abortion should be banned. But that's very, that, that, that may be true nationally. It's not state specific, right? So they can exploit the gap between how people feel in Florida and how people feel nationally in order to go after people like Ron DeSantis or Brian Kemp in Georgia, for example, or Mike DeWine in Ohio. However, the, the, when it comes to the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign agenda, they run into some real issues because as it turns out, people are not real fond of an agenda that suggests that all sexual behavior is morally equivalent or that we have built ourselves a freer and better society when 21% of all young people are now identifying as members of the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign pride progress flag minority, the victim group, the sexual victim group. People are not super hot on this. So they have to come up with some lies. And so they've come up with some lies. Their big lie is they're coming to ban the books. They're this is the, just the latest version of Don't Say Gay. They're coming to ban the books. So the latest lie that's being promoted by the mainstream media, the legacy media, is this lie that in Florida, Amanda Gorman's The Hill We Climb is now restricted to, is now being banned in schools. It is not being banned in schools. First of all, Amanda Gorman is literally the most overrated poet, I think, ever, ever. 
By any metric, she's not a very good poet. Her, her words do not sing. She generally does not use meter in any sort of methodical way. But she's been treated as though she is uh, some sort of magical William Butler Yeats type. She read a poem at the Joe Biden inauguration in which she essentially suggested that Joe Biden's victory was vindication of democracy. All of his opponents were not in favor of democracy and all the rest of it. Okay, well, her poetry, it may be bad, but at the very least, it's not for like kids in third grade. Right? The, the, the notions that she pushes in, the, in her poetry about systemic racism and white privilege and all this kind of stuff, not appropriate for third graders. Maybe appropriate for middle schoolers, right? Like if you read her poetry, it's not even reading level for third graders. I know I have a third grader. Okay, but if you say that, if you say we're not banning the book, we're just saying it's only appropriate for kids who are in like fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Apparently that is now book banning. That is how the media are treating this Amanda Gorman story. And it's not true. It is a lie. They're treating it as though Amanda Gorman has now been banned across the state of Florida. So Rolling Stone has a piece titled Florida School Bans Amanda Gorman's inaugural The Hill We Climb Home. No, it didn't. They just said that it's not available. It's not to be taught in classes for elementary school students like fourth graders and third graders. LA Times says Amanda Gorman's inaugural poem is the latest in book bans. The Guardian says Amanda Gorman gutted after Florida school bans Biden inauguration poem. So one school, someplace in Florida, moved the hill we climb, not even out of classes, out of an elementary library at a Miami-Dade school. And this is an international news story. It's covered by BBC, USA Today, NBC News, Axios. She's gutted. She's gutted because third graders can't check out her her garbage book over at the at the school library in elementary school. That is not a book banning. According to uh, one of the parents, she claimed that the the hill we climb and a few other books contained references to critical race theory, gender ideology, indirect hate messages and indoctrination, especially of socialism. And the school agreed to restrict the title to middle school students, which again, that is not a book ban. A book ban is where you say the book cannot be available anywhere in the state of Florida. Not about school libraries. School libraries routinely restrict what kids can and cannot see based on age. But they're pushing that lie anyway. Or maybe they're going to focus in on the notion that Texas is going to reinstate its evil practice of displaying the Ten Commandments publicly. <gasps> no, we can't do that. We can't do that. It is one thing to put the fundamental civilizational code of conduct on classroom walls in the Ten Commandments. Can't do that. What we must have, however, is Black Lives Matter flags and Pride Progress flags. Because again, the state religion of the United States is America systemically racist and uh, screwing whoever you please is a fundamental human value that is of equal moral, equal moral merit. Right? The, 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 that's what America stands for, after all. The Ten Commandments? No, that stuff cannot be in classrooms. That's establishment of religion. But it's not establishment of religion to put forward this pagan religion and force it down the throats of every school kid in America. So according to the Washington Post, quote, Texas lawmakers had been scheduled to vote Tuesday on whether to require that the Ten Commandments be posted in every classroom in the state, part of a newly energized national effort to insert religion into public life. Again, this is one of the great lies that the left purveys. The lie is, number one, that you are forcing religion when you display any text that has the word God in it in a classroom, but you're not promoting any religious or civilizational point of view when you promote wild left secularism that argues that boys can be girls and girls can be boys in those pagan fashions. It's a, one value system is going to have to triumph and one value system is going to have to lose. There is new, no neutrality in this particular battle. As we have seen, we tried to do neutral. And you know what happened? The left just took neutral and hijacked it. And now neutral is your kid will be taught that a boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy. That's the new neutral. 
And by claiming that neutrality, the left has basically suggested that you're a religious bigot if you object. Well, again, they're trying to play this as a 60-40 game, that if you want to put 10 commandments in the classroom, 60% of Americans don't support it. But here is the, that, that may well be true. But you know what is also true? 80% of Americans are not going to support pride progress flags in the classroom for third graders. They're not interested, or, or any school kids, by the way. So what you have here is a pair of completely battling premises. And maybe only one can win. And if only one can win, I certainly know which one I think should win and which one stands for a some level of morality, decency, and civilizational durability. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like, there's a series that is available on HBO Max. It's called The Murders at White House Farm. It is quite good. Again, another sort of British crime series. This is about uh, a horrific murder of five people at a farm in, uh, in Britain. Really well acted, really well written. Uh, here's a little bit of the preview. I love you, Daddy. I love you too, sweetheart. Be good, okay? And I'll be back in a few days. It's based on a real-life case. It was uh, suspected that a, um, that a mother had shot her kids and then her parents and then herself, and then it turns out that the person convicted for it was actually not the mom. So... It's a, re- it's, it's a very good series. It is definitely worth the watch. You can go check it out. Okay, time for a very extensive thing that I hate today. So let us talk about the evils of social media. Even the Surgeon General of the United States is now warning that social media can harm children and adolescents. That, of course, is exactly true. Now, I'm not sure exactly why they think that it's harming children and adolescents, considering that the chief messages being purveyed on social media are left-wing messages about sexual fluidity, about promiscuity, about doing that which is taboo, about the the centrality of progressive identity. That's kind of the stuff that gets pushed on social media that's really damaging to kids. It ain't kids studying the Bible on social media that's damaging to kids. In other words, what social media really does is it weaponizes the worst in human beings and then makes it go viral. And the worst in human beings tends to have very, very heavy overlap with social progressivism, with the transgressive nature of the social morality that the left likes to push. So it's interesting to watch the left come around to the message that social media is bad for kids. It is, but not because of the social media. It's because of the actual material contained in the social media. There's no question that social media has now incentivized some of the worst behavior in America. So, for example, Kellyanne Conway's teenage daughter, Claudia, has now launched a new career as a Playboy bunny, creating racy content for the defunct magazine's website, according to the Daily Mail. The pretty blonde has been operating a subscription page on Playboy.com since the end of April, six months after she turned 18 and has so far uploaded 11 posts, most of which show her in a revealing selection of bikinis. For those who want to splash out, raunchier pictures like cleavage close-ups are available from as little as five bucks. The most expensive photo on offer costs $99. Now, Claudia, obviously, her home life has been kind of a mess considering the fairly open battle between her parents who are now getting divorced. But the fact is that this particular young woman has been in the social media limelight since she was like 16 years old, featured by the media as somebody who is siding with dad against mom, who thinks that Donald Trump is really, really bad. And uh, that leads you down some pretty perverse pathways. This does not seem like the pathway toward fulfilling life is probably not posing provocatively for Playboy.com. This is not actually an aspect of women's empowerment. I always find it highly amusing and ironic when women who claim that they should be valued for more than their body believe that it is also feminism to show as much of their body as humanly possible in order so that men will pay them for it. Prostitution is the highest form of, uh, of feminism is a very weird thing, which is why feminists tend to cross, like real feminists tend to cross streams with uh, evangelical Christians and religious Jews on the idea that women are more than their body parts. But this is what social media tends to do. Social media also tends to incentivize some of the worst behavior imaginable. So there is a, a live streamer who has gone viral in Great Britain 
for doing some of the worst things humanly possible. And this person was basically just sort of walking around and performing crimes until people noticed and then claimed that that he was being targeted because everybody was racist to him. This person's name is apparently Mizzy, is what he called himself. He is a teenager named Bakari Bronze Ogaro 18, known on TikTok as Mizzy. And he has now been charged with failing to comply with the community protection notice. But that's after months of performing criminal activity randomly on the internet. So, for example, here he was walking into a library and just ripping up books. Excuse me, what can I um, get a book here? Yeah, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Walking into the library and just uh, ripping the pages out of books like a complete piece of trash. And the library employees don't know what to do. They call security, but um, apparently security did nothing because five minutes later, this dude is uh, back on the street. There he's walking into the back of the library. He calls himself a prankster, of course. Now, uh, what does security do? Apparently nothing, because he's back on the street about five seconds later, and he's walking into random people's houses. So here's a video of him walking, literally just walking into a random person's house for the social media clicks and giggles of it. He is um, a black person along with a couple of his colleagues, and they walk in. I only point that out because I do believe that there is a relevance to the fact that this person continues to be on the street. If this were a white teenager filming himself walking into random people's houses, I highly doubt that the police would have let him get away with posting this on social media for months at a time. A father then walks up the stairs, if you can't see it. He has children in the house, and he's telling them to leave. They don't. They just walk, and they sit right down on somebody else's couch and start uh, taking over. Oh, the systemic racism. Ah, look at the systemic racism that's happening right here. The father's saying, I've. by the way, just a, a note. This is uh, one of the reasons I like living in Florida. You know what happens if you walk into somebody's house randomly and sit on their couch in Florida? You get shot. Okay, I don't care what race you are. You get shot. You bust into somebody's house while my kid, while somebody's kids are home, you're getting shot. That is the way that is going. By the way, this is, it's not just kind of soft criminal activity like trespass or, or ripping up books at the library. It is also actively assaulting people. So uh, here he was filming himself assaulting a random Jewish guy. He's walking up behind a Hasidic Jewish kid and jumping on him. And the kid runs away. And, uh, and then he... Uh, he was just looking at you wrong? I don't know, were, were, were they assaulting you, those Orthodox Hasidic Jews? Were, were they? Now, again, the reason I point this out is because this sort of stuff is replete on social media. Social media is just a viral system for making the sins of mankind more and more popular. And those sins of mankind all tend to fit a particular pattern. That is the part that I find rather puzzling about Vivek Murthy's statements about the dangers of social media. I totally agree with him. But that's because I think that the value system being promoted by social media is garbage. I want an explanation for why the progressive left thinks the value system being promoted by social media is garbage. I need that explanation because, again, it ain't TikTok teaching math in China that is a problem for kids. It ain't TikTok teaching kids Bible that is a problem for kids. It is a particular type of activity that is a problem for kids. Blaming social media for the underlying activity. Hmm. A fascinating way of misdirecting from the fact that perhaps your own moral system is wildly skewed. All right, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. (laughs) 